Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends with Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Selena Polly and Brooke Paget. Today, we are venturing into part three of our series where we are discussing advice for new wags of SCI. But first, we want to send a big shout out to Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law and her team, who are are the official advocates of the wags of SCI community. We are so happy to be partnered with them. And if you need any information on how they can help you as far as advocacy, as far as looking into your case, as far as insurance and benefits paperwork, looking into your partner's injury, looking into your human rights issues, say you want to be a paid caregiver and don't know where to start, Robin is your first point of contact and she will connect you with resources in your specific area. Please visit wagsofsci.com and click on the legal resources tab. And then you can also visit brainandspinelaw.com, which is Robin's website to learn more about her and her team if you want to contact her directly. So today's episode, we are finishing up our three-part series. It actually turned into a three-part series because we had so many comments from all of these wags who wanted to give advice to women who are new to this life. Um, And it really was a great discussion, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of, um, we had a lot of really good comments. Um, I was actually quite surprised at how many women chimed in. So we had how many? Over 80 comments with some really good advice, things that we wish we would have known when we first left, well, I guess when we when we first had our, our partners with an SCI leave rehab or during rehab, um, just a lot of tidbits that are really helpful and useful. And we'll get right into it by uh, the next comment was, give him two hand towels, two hand towels when he's drying off in the shower if his arm movement is not strong enough. The little ones move easier and it helps him get some OT. So that's, that's kind of funny that she mentioned this because um, since February 1st, I started doing all of Dan's care um, through the Cecil program. We finally got approved. And this is something that um, it's funny because I feel like we have a totally different system in the morning um, than when he had care before. Like we have a heat light that's in our ceiling that you can turn on in the morning to kind of warm up the bathroom. Um, and then when he's you know, when he is doing his bowel program or whatever, he has that on instead of like the very bright light, but also the towel thing. I'm like, it is incredibly fascinating to me that we are using three towels in the morning, one for like drying off the legs, arms, hair. And then I put one around him like a cape. And then he has his own on his lap that he does like his chest and whatnot. But those are some really good pointers about the two little towels. And I keep on thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, 
our towel laundries is substantial at this point because yeah. <laughs> because we're using so many. <laughs> and don't forget the ones that you need for the floor. <laughs> it's so, a big it's a big towel household in quadriplegics households, right? Um, Evan is a C four for those of you who don't know. He's a C four. He's quite a high level, but he actually has been able to take like a towel on his kind of fist. He has like kind of like fist hands. Um, he's able to take a towel, like a big bath towel on his fist and kind of move it back and forth and slap almost like a car wash. It's so funny. Like slapping the areas on his legs and his thighs, on his chest, on his other arm using the towel. And he's able to dry himself that way, which is really um, cool. So all of these things like you know, as partners to quadriplegics, we learn when we're dealing with um, with our partners, especially if you're the caregiver, the little hacks that are just really important to this journey. So I think that's a good, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really good tip for people new to this life because you, even the little things are really important to keep the body moving, right? And to kind of, even if they're not doing a lot, they're still helping, right? So it's really important to, to do that. That kind of well, and it's also a sense of independence, whatever you can do for yourself. And I talk about this quite often is when I, uh, I hear Dan smashing and crashing and bashing and dropping things on the ground or trying to reach for something um, with like, I don't know, something is he'll grab a broom and he'll try to pull something down from way up high. Then you can like hear like the smashing of everything. And I've learned to not jump in. I'm, you know, even though I know for myself, it's, it's easier or faster if I get up and go see what's going on. Um, it's a skill. It takes a lot of patience and time, um, within a lot of patience for yourself and a lot of time and patience for yourself to just sit back and allow things to happen and not be the person to jump in and dive in, especially when you are the primary caregiver, because, um, I, it's, it's good to have those boundaries as well, but it's, it's very, very hard is what I'm trying to say. It's very hard for me to take a step back. So the next, this is actually great because it goes right into the next point, which is take care of yourself and communicate honestly with your partner. Um, so communication about when to jump in or not is a big one, but communicate honestly with your partner about how you're feeling. Even if they're going through it worse, they are still your partner and you deserve to be taken care of and listen to and listen to with empathy and the same you do with them. So it's a two way street. We always say this sometimes, you know, the caregiver role is you give so much of yourself all the time that um, we have to recognize that your partner is also able to be thoughtful, to be caring, to put you first in thoughts, in wanting to know what is it about you that, you know, that they love and, and what is, what is it in you that, what are your passions, your desires, your interests, your likes, and, and anybody is capable to do that, um, to give a bit more attention in those areas to really make your partner feel special and vice versa. Um, keep trucking for those good times and finally give yourself some dang credit from time to time you're out here doing the most and the best that you can which is true um empathy empathy is the word of the day especially in our community but having that balance for both people both partners and i think it's very hard um because your partner goes through this phase where it's like he's the center of everything right i like to call it the paralysis bubble Um, where it's just like, he's so in survival. He's so trying to heal. He's trying to adjust to his new life where he can't see, 
in front of his own nose, which means he can't really empathize that easily. So if you kind of talk about this early on in the injury where it's just like, okay, this kind of thing is very common. This is what happens. This is what I'm seeing in the Wags of SDA community is like, they kind of revert to this whole me, me, me thing um, because they're all focused on, you know, it's part of the reason why we started the group. We always talk about this, Um, but it's really important to address this early on and have the tools to actually work through that as a couple, because like this commenter said, your issues are valid. It doesn't matter if he's going through the worst time. It doesn't, or it doesn't matter if he's like, my injury is worse. You have nothing to be concerned about because that happens a lot of the time and that's really really hurtful to the wag right that's hurtful to the partner that's just it's not something that serves either people and it doesn't help you progress through the injuries so this i think the tools that you need are this one this that actually brings us to our next comment she says therapy individually for you and spouse and couples made such a difference for both of us personally and in our marriage we were able to communicate and set and hold healthy boundaries it helped him become more open-minded and willing to try things instead of drowning in his own grief and pain um that being said, we're coming at week over the past few years, we've had a huge issue in the community when it comes to the access to counseling. Um, because, you know, like it or not, and it's hard to believe actually that counseling isn't widely available for people with SCI and definitely not for their partners. And this is something that is a huge hole in the community. It's something that we have advocated for since day one. It's like, why isn't every single couple going through this? Um, given counseling, at least grief counseling. And it's just not available, you know, and and we've talked about this in the past episodes where we both have had experiences where our partners were denied counseling because they were not suicidal. They were not deemed suicidal. Therefore, they didn't deserve counseling. They didn't have the resources to get counseling handed to them. And it's it's so sad because these things um, are literally the only way sometimes that you can get these tools presented to you so that you can handle the stuff that is going to come your way. Um, so if you have access to a counselor, if you have it covered by insurance, if you can advocate your insurance to have, you know, I know since COVID-19, that's one of the silver linings for a lot of insurance plans is a lot of them include clinical counselors and therapists now, um, which is great. So check into that. See if you're covered for that. See if this is something you can afford, even if it's once a month. Um, And also, we at Wags of SCI fundraise for helping people with this kind of stuff. So if you feel like counseling would greatly benefit you and you can't find a way to pay for that, we can help you out. You just need to email us. Um, So, But this is one of the things that's been so difficult for us, right, Elena? Because it's like we Mm -hmm. can't give have counselors on Wags of SCI because they're licensed and they are, you know, they're responsible for these people. And and it's just, it doesn't work out for the model that we have, but that being said, it's just, it's so desperately needed in this community. Right. Yeah. Well said. So again, if you are seeking or needing to seek extra support via counseling, please reach out to us. And if you come equipped with a counselor that, that you trust, but you just don't have the means to pay for it, we would be happy to be able to arrange some sort of payment program for you through the WEGS of SEI, a 5CAM self-care run, which is our biggest fundraiser each year. And that is on right now. The fundraising is on right now until March 24th, which is the day of the run. So if you haven't already, please register for that. And of course, if you'd like to donate, this is a great effort to donate to. Um, So moving right along to the next comment we have, don't assume hospitals know how to take care of SEI patients. 
The patient needs a special bed to prevent bed sores. Number one, if you are a friend or family, please understand how very, very important it is for the person in your life that you know who has a spinal cord injury, how very important it is for them to have a proper bed. It's not a regular bed. It is not a regular mattress. This is something that I feel like we've talked about so many times. Um, People don't understand that when you... Why is this a problem? Because when you don't have the flow of body, sorry, blood circulating through your body, you are more inclined when you're lying in the same position, you're more inclined to develop a bed sore. Um, So many, so many different reasons, but it is very important to have a proper bed. Um, So the patients need a special bed to prevent bed sores. They need to be churned every two hours, 24 seven. That is very dependent on your level of injury, whether you are able to turn yourself. If you've got any sort of um, upper body arm function, that is very dependent. If you're a higher level C4, sometimes C5, C4, C3, 2, 1 level quadriplegic, you are going to need to be turned every two hours, 24 seven. Bed sores are terrible. And unfortunately, they happen in hospitals. Yes, a thousand percent. Yes. Hospitals do not have the proper amount of staff to be able to give the adequate amount of hours and care individual to each patient's needs. This is a known fact. And this is why sometimes family and friends have to step in. Um, this is not so this is not just hearsay or just made up nonsense. This is a known fact. So their feet need to be propped up with booties or pillows to prevent bed sores on the ankles. Then you have to prevent blood clots. There is a machine to squeeze the legs to prevent blood clots. Um, We have, we have a leg. I I forget what they're called. They're actually, they're like kind of like leg massagers. You Dan and, and I put them on him at any time and they need, they basically like move the circulation and like squeeze your legs. They're good for diabetics because they get the circulation and the blood pumping through your legs. Those are really, really good. You can get them on Amazon, but in this case, there's a machine to squeeze the legs to prevent blood clots. Make sure it's on his chart to be turned and on the dry eraser board in the room. So yes, there's a, typically there's a board, a dry eraser board in each patient's room in the rehab center. It's good to use that board to write notes and, and little things for the nurse when you're not available for the nurse to come in. They have rotations all throughout the day. Various nurses come for various shifts. Sometimes what, I mean, nurses need time off as well. Sometimes you'll have a brand new nurse the next day who may not know the communication of the needs of the patient. The basically, basically the, the needs of the patient can change very rapidly day to day, hour to hour. Yes, there's a fall through of communication. So please utilize that board. It is the best way to communicate to everybody involved in rehab, including OT, PT, just have it there and utilize that for sure. It's also a fun way to put like inspirational quotes and things that your partner can kind of like look at. Usually the whiteboard is at the foot of the bed. So something to kind of like, you know, redirect their thinking or sort of have more, a little bit more light or a little bit more fun. So that's a great tip as well. Make sure it's on his chart to be turned. Yeah. Check his bum, hips, and ankles to look for bed sores starting when you visit. 
familiarize yourself what each stage of a bed sore looks like. They can get deep very quickly. Yes, they can. It is not uncommon for a patient to develop a bed sore specifically on the coccyx, which is the bottom of the spine, because that's sort of where you put a lot of your pressure and a lot of your weight when you're in your bed. And at the very beginning stages of being in rehab, you, you have a special mattress. You can get like an air, like almost like an, uh, a mattress that pumps up air, kind of like a Rojo mattress. You can get a special mattress. I remember when Dan was in rehab, when he first got placed in rehab, he was complaining about pain all night long for like three days. And he, we happened to, uh, he was placed in rehab on a Friday. That means that OT and PT and everybody was gone for Saturday, Sunday. Well, his mattress was put upside down. So he was sleeping on the bottom of it, actually, which did create a bed sore. So that was a big no-no. Yeah, I honestly think, Elena, that this is one thing we've seen time and time again, that like you said earlier, hospitals, these things happen in hospitals because of the staff. The thing is, is now is the time to be kind of hypervigilant when it comes to this stuff yourself, like check the skin as often as you can. Like this is something that will pay for itself in the long run. And I I know it's overwhelming, but it's something that they're only going to be there for a few weeks to a few months. Right. And it's something that it'll pay for itself. If he doesn't get a bed sore, if he doesn't get pressure sores on his feet and his bum, you are well ahead of the curve by the time you get out of the hospital. Um, And also I think it's good to involve the partner in this. Like they need something to focus on. Why not set his alarm for every two hours and make sure someone's turning, getting him turned. Um, I know it's a lot, but it's something that will, it's something that is so important. Do you know how many times we see on the private group, people saying, oh, my husband's coming home this weekend, but he has a pressure mm-hmm. sore from the hospital and people in the States, it's, it's a little different because when that happens and you've actually paid attention and documented things like, you know, like what this, mm-hmm. this uh, wag was saying about writing things on the board, putting it on his chart that that is required. If you do all of that and there's still a pressure sore, they can be sued. Here in Canada, it's not that simple. You can't sue the hospital where we're from. We're more of a socialist country. Um, and so it's there's not as much responsibility in the hospital. So it's kind of like you kind of have to take this on, on yourself and your partner has to take it on himself to kind of direct his care because they they won't do it. Like they just won't. And it's really sad to say, but I think these kind of truth dosing statements have to be said on the podcast since nobody else really talks about it. Um, Don't be afraid, just be empowered and know that that they're not going to do it unless you really kind of hammer it down as to how important it is. Hospitals like to manage the symptoms when they arrive. They don't like to prevent things. So, you know, it's something that, that really needs to be looked at. All right, let's move on. There's a lot of adaptive equipment available now that makes so much possible. So keep an open mind about the future, but it's all very expensive. So learn as much as you can about grants, resources, support programs in your area, and then get creative. Don't be afraid to try things and come up with your own solutions, even if it's silly or crazy. If it doesn't work, you'll probably have something to laugh about together. My partner and I have spent so ha, had so many funny stories. I've piggybacked him into places that his chair couldn't go to, and I can't lift him any other way. He has strapped cooking spoons to his hand with Velcro extension cords, organizing straps just to be able to cook. I dragged him across a beach once on an inflatable tube. 
life can be lived. Life can be great. You just got to find a way to adapt. I think that's true. And I think definitely we need to give a little bit of a disclaimer here. Don't do stuff that is unsafe. Use your brain. We are all smart women. Um, don't do things that could cause irritation on the skin or burns or, you know, don't be silly, but you're going to have to look around you and say, okay, what do I have here that can help me? Um, like for instance, we've all been in the place where we've had to drag our partner, you know, mm. if our lift stops working, if they fall on the floor, if we can't lift them, what am I going to put under his butt to make sure there's no shearing on the skin? You know, those things like, what do I have around me that can remedy this situation? Who do I have to call to help? Like, well, and hold on a second here. Here's a big thing too. Don't put yourself in danger, right? Don't put your, yeah. yes, you might you might be a very strong individual, um, but don't start lifting your partner by yourself and then throw yeah. your back out because then you're good to absolutely nobody. I, I say this, it sounds like I'm being very condescending and very judgmental right now. Um, it happened to me. That's why I'm telling you. <laughs> it happened yeah, to good. me twice where it was like we were completely alone we took an air we were at an airbnb in the middle sort of of nowhere it was late at night we had just arrived dan went to go outside to check out it was dark um went to check out the view from the back door without realizing that they left like a shoe tray a plastic shoe tray right outside the door and he ate it and he went flying face first skinned his knuckles his knees, blood everywhere. It was kind of like on a decline. And of course it was me. I was like, it's fine. I got it. And I grabbed him and I pulled him and I put him halfway on the couch. Then I lifted him into his chair and my back, um, definitely took a spill there. So I say this from experience, don't put yourself in dangerous positions, even though it's really hard because it's like, okay, we're in a small town. I guess you would call 911, call the fire department. That's something that we do all the time. If your partner takes a spell, call 911. There's some really big, strong guys who that's what they do. They, they're fit, they're strong, they're big. They can work as a team. They can get your partner back in their chair. Yeah. Perfect. Utilize what you have around you for help. This is very important. Um, so let's move on here. Um, we have some comments here about it's okay to watch them struggle with things. I feel like it was way too eager to make life easier. So they, so then every task became mine. That's a big thing. We've talked about that in the last couple of episodes as well. You've shared your stories about, you know, how you're working on that. It's something that's very important. And we have a few more comments here about how important it is. Um, so definitely another, another one to hammer that down. Um, then we have one here that says everyone's journey is going to look different. Don't compare how yours is going to anyone else's. And that itself is a huge practice in itself because the SDI community loves to compare. They love to compare outcomes. They love to compare situations. They love to compare injury levels, even though you're told until they're blue in the face by doctors and physios that, you know, everyone's injury is different. It, it still is a thing in the community where it's like everyone likes to compare. And while these comparisons can be very helpful because you can get a lot of insight from that, it also can be kind of discouraging because every injury is so different. Nobody's body heals at the same length of time. No one's injury level is the same, even if it is the same. Right. And yeah. so this is where it's like the self-awareness piece is really important. Listen to people's stories, but don't take it for the fact because everyone's bodies are so different. And I personally think that it's up to you to get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm going to be as healthy as humanly possible. 
I'm going to help my partner be as healthy as humanly possible. And that's all we can do, right? We can set the body up for success or we can set the body up for failure. Um, because everyone's injuries are different and because nerves grow at a rate of under a millimeter a month, um, <laughs> this is a long-term healing process that needs to be um, needs to be babied but not compared. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So then we have the next one here. This is for somebody, um, advice for somebody who's still in rehab. For you, this is so hard. Make thing, make some things easier. Designate a point person you can share with, and then they can tell everybody. Honestly, all the calls and texts and questions from others were exhausting when we didn't know anything yet ourselves. Set up a page like Carrying Bridge or YouTube or Facebook. People wanted to see him. This helped by posting once a week or if something big happened so we could reach out to a lot of people at once and they could leave comments. That is a really, really good point. Um, Also, accept a GoFundMe and ask someone to start one. There are so many out-of-pocket costs. If anybody asks, they can do anything. I have a list like have lists like healthy foods for hospital, outpatient research for SEI, gyms, grants, looking for adapted cars if necessary. Um, don't do everything. The goal is independent as possible possible for their level. Let them struggle. Um, I remember specifically having many conversations with Dan about this, like the, the day that the doctor came in and was like, okay, this is your diagnosis. This is the prognosis. Like you're never going to walk again. And I remember, I remember us taking that day and like, kind of like having a sad day. I think we ordered pizza. I crawled into bed and like watched some movies and I did some coloring book. He fell asleep and we both cried and we were both really sad. But after that, he was like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going down to the gym and I'm going to start my own rehab that day. And he did. And it was like something that like he needed to make up his mind on by himself where he was like, I'm going down there. I don't care how long it's going to take me. I don't care what I can and cannot do. And the biggest thing is doctors words and other, you know, you know, their words are just words. It's, it's your mindset. It's what you want to do. And also understanding that your quality of life is not limited by somebody else's beliefs or from somebody else's textbook. It's just textbook. Like you said earlier, every injury is different. Every single person's body is different. Um, you can still, I know, I know a guy, his name's Walt. He was very, very inspirational to us at GF strong. He's on a sip and puff. He goes out and takes himself for lunch. And then he has people, various people opening doors for him. He'll ask people, can you give me this? Can you give me that? He'll have carries that come and meet him here, meet him there. But you know, seeing somebody with such, such limited function really inspired us from the very beginning. And it's important to have those, have those people in your life right off the get-go that you can learn from, that you can go and meet, that you can have camaraderie with. Dan joined a wheelchair rugby team. He learned so much from those guys, a lot more than than he would have learned, whether it was just like the two of us hanging out 24-7. So those community connections are really, really important. It's really important to be able to get all sorts of information from a, a variety of people, not just staying in your own bubble. And that is also a good way to get out of depression, being able to sort of banter back and forth with other people that are of like-minded people. That's why we have the Wags of SEA community. This is why the women come here. They have questions, they ask questions, they share stories. Community is everything. 
Yeah. And it's also good to have um, your community, like whether it's, you know, at rehab or hospital or through a group, um, it's also important to like, look and have that discernment and be like, okay, this is what I don't want to do. This is what I don't want to be like. (laughs) I mean, that's just as important to me to like see other examples of mistakes other people have made um, and just kind of learn, right? This is how like you learn to navigate. Oh, I I, I don't want to make that same mistake. This is why talking about these things is so important because it's not just the good stuff. It's not just the celebrations. It's also the bad stuff too, the stuff that you know, the mistakes that were made, those that's really important to talk about with with your friends and your community. Um, so let's move on here. There's a lot of more comments about being independent, allowing yourself to enjoy you time. Um, mm-hmm. Don't feel guilty about it. We've spoken about those in the past two episodes. If you want more, um, if you haven't listened to the past two episodes, please do, because we get into that a lot in the, in the last two episodes. Um, yeah. There's lot, also lots, one... about, lots about pushing them to be as independent as possible and not feeling guilty. <laughs> yeah. And lots taking, about that. <laughs> yeah. And taking self-care. That was a big one in the first two episodes. Um, this one is good. And it's one we, we haven't talked about. And it's, it's being a caregiver is a choice. It doesn't matter if a hospital or social worker or anyone else tells you that you have to or have to do this or not. It's always still your choice. You can refuse discharge if you feel it would not be safe for him or you. You can require more support in the home as a condition of discharge. You can tell your PCP if you are overwhelmed and need help. They have to help you find it before you go. Elder services also provide support to people with disabilities. So you can get a nurse and a case manager and many other supports if you need them. This is very important, especially in the States where you, you know, we have all those different hospitals, different mm-hmm. facilities, different levels of care where you have all, all these options to choose from. It can be so confusing, but this is really, really important. You don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable with. And we've seen a lot of women in our community over the years who have had their partners leave rehab and they were not comfortable um, with the care, but they went home anyways and their partners ended up getting very sick. So it's detrimental to you. It's detrimental to him. It's not a good idea to leave when these things are still a problem. So make sure that you seek support at the rehab level, advocate, advocate, advocate for yourself. Don't give up, be patient, communicate. There's another one here that says, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, and then, yeah, there's a lot of posts here that talk about how thankful they are for this post. So we are really thankful too for everyone sharing their insights and allowing us to convey this information to a wider audience than just Facebook. No, 100%. And I, I wish somebody would have let us know that if we were not ready, that he could have stayed because my God, <laughs> we were excited, but we were one month of being completely homeless, of nowhere to go. And that was not so fun. So one of the last things I'm going to mention here, think about your furniture, rugs, kitchen appliances affects his day to day. Not everything is where I would choose it to be, but it works for him. And he's much more self-sufficient because of it. 36 years in with injury. So those are really good points. And again, we talk about accessible design all the time. If only the world was an accessible place, then then we could all use it. Um, and that is something that you'll get to learn and love after your partner's discharge is finding a better system that is accessible. Your house probably will have to change, but it kind of aligns with like Feng Shui and the whole model of having um, the 
flow of your house, you know, having proper flow going through properly in your, in your own home, um, follows that accessible design. So that's kind of the way that I like to look at it a little bit, because I know I can feel frustrated sometimes too. Like why is stuff everywhere or why are things here, there, everywhere? Um, I try to sort of see it as like, it's allowing for the energy to flow in behind Dan and his wheelchair. So there's that. And, um, so we hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode with a few more comments and questions from the women of the very group of wags of SEI that has been around since 2017. So there were over 80 comments on this thread. If you are a wife or girlfriend of an individual with a spinal cord injury, and you are not already a member of the private Facebook discussion group on Facebook, please join us. We are always happy to answer any questions, concerns that you may have. Um, if you have any other questions, send us a DM. Our Instagram is Wags of SEI. And of course, um, you're welcome to email us, wagsofsei.gmail.com. And of course, of course, the very last but not least, Wags of SEI 5 Cam Self Care Run is happening on March 24th of this year. So please join if you have not already and you are welcome to donate to the cause and betterment of wags of sei through that as well so thank you once again for joining us for another episode of the wags of sei podcast and for sharing your time and space with us today so until next time take care of yourselves and love one another cheers